Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. 15. We'll run down some important developments in the Braves rotation and continue on with our player profile series. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, April 7th. I'm Al Melchior, and I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael, uh, you know, there's uh, more than enough bad news uh, in the world uh, right now, uh, so it's uh, it'd be tough to, to lead with this anyway. But um, uh, we, uh, of course, now know about the passing of uh, Tigers legend Al Kaline uh, on Monday. He was 85 years old. He was um, one of the first players, frankly, I was aware of as a kid because um, his last year or two were, you know, my, my first baseball watching seasons as a kid in the uh, early 70s. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I just took an instant liking to him. And it probably just had to do with the fact that, as we now know, um, you know, by by everybody who who talks about Al Kaline, that he was just uh, – universally considered to be just a, uh, a fantastic person in addition to being an elite baseball player. And then he became a part of the soundtrack of my, my college years and my twenties in, in, uh, Michigan, uh, watching the tigers on TV and, uh, he will just be sorely missed. Yeah, obviously uh, before my time as a baseball fan, uh, but uh, you do hear that about LK line all the time, not just one of the great players, but a, a truly good person. And uh, as we've been seeing the things, or as we saw the things yesterday, uh, the news stories about his passing and the remembrances of people who did know him closely or people who did follow him closely as a player, that was the familiar refrain uh, that he was uh, just as good, if not even better, off the field as he was on it. And it made me think of a quote I love by uh, William Tecumseh Sherman talking about Abraham Lincoln saying that he combined the qualities of greatness and goodness more than anyone he ever knew. And it feels like Al Kaline is someone who that quote fits as well. So uh, sad to see him go, but 85 years old, lived a, a long, healthy, robust life, certainly. Yeah, you will be mistaken, Al Kaline. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, but we uh, do have some things to get to here on the show today. And uh, let's uh, start off with an update on Cole Hamels. Now, this came from an interview with uh, Alex Anthopoulos on the, uh, and I, I hope I get the, the name right here. I think it was called the uh, the Braves at home opener. And it was coincided with what it would have been the Braves opener at Truist Park. And uh, so there was an interview there with the Braves GM. And so, yeah, he provided an update on Cole Hamill, said that his shoulder uh, is pain-free now. And basically, uh, I think we can surmise from that that uh, we can expect 
a full season, a full season from Hamels, uh, you know, such as a full season will be this year, if it will be, but it does uh, bring a couple of questions back into focus. And first of all, how do we rank Cole Hamels now? And uh, what are the, the fallouts from uh, his reinsertion back into the, uh, the Braves rotation? Yeah, Hamels is going to be an interesting one for me, Al, because you know we've seen him in his uh, most recent seasons with the Cubs um, have some some really strong stretches, right? Uh, we haven't seen him sustain a fully great season. We didn't see that with the Cubs, but if you go back to 2018 when he was the midseason acquisition uh, that the Cubs really needed in their rotation uh, from the Rangers, and from that point forward was really a great pitcher for the Cubs. You look at his full season numbers, they don't uh, show you just how good he was for the Cubs in the back half of the 2018 season. And then 2019 uh, made 27 starts through just 141 innings, dealt with some injuries, something to be expected uh, for a guy at his stage with the wear and tear that he has put on his arm over a very long career now in his uh, age 36 season. Uh, But those stretches get me excited about what Hamels might be able to provide this season because of uh, how short it's going to be, right? I mean, we're not asking Cole Hamels to be this great, healthy pitcher for six months like we would be during a normal season. We're asking him to be it for three months, two and a half months, two months, right? Whatever it's going to be, Cole Hamels is not going to have to go out there and give you 30 starts to deliver some fantasy value. Then you also look at the fact that the Braves are built to handle what could be a condensed schedule when the season does get going better than maybe any other team other than the Los Angeles Dodgers from a pitching standpoint because of Felix Hernandez, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright, some re- and then some really reliable guys at the top of the rotation like Mike Soroka, Max Fried, Mike Fultonevich. I mean, they, they, this is a team that is built to handle uh, if there are a lot of scheduled doubleheaders or if there are just fewer off days uh, than teams would be used to uh, whenever the season does begin. They're built to handle it, and I think that works to Hamill's advantage even if he doesn't get to start every fifth day, even if it is a six-man rotation that brings down his volume. I think the efficiency from Hamels on a per-start basis could go up. So to me, he's someone who, in a shorter season, is actually more interesting than he would have been in a normal full 162-game season. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So in that context, do you think he's a top 40 pitcher? Because for me, I think that's where you could probably set an over-under. Do you think I'm reading that right? And if so, what side do you put him on? I do. I think he's. I put him on the whatever the good. I, I, right when, you, when we're talking <laughs> rank, it's like is over good, is under good. What exactly are we talking here? I'm just. I'm going to simplify it for everyone. Whatever your ears hear as the good side of that, that's where I'm putting Cole Hamels. Because even in these recent years, like I've said with the Cubs, he had some injuries and you know some bad stretches mixed with the good. He's still been striking out about a batter per inning. So that's a nice threshold of strikeouts that you're probably going to get from Cole Hamels. Then you look at this team that he's going to be going to battle with every single game. Great offense. What could be a very strong bullpen uh, backing him up. So you think that the wins should be there for Cole Hamels. And we know that pitchers can control strikeouts. They can control walks. They can control homers. They can't really control what their offense does for them and how bullpen their bullpen protects their leads. But I think you look at this Atlanta team up and down, Hamels is going to have the run support. Hamels is going to have a good bullpen behind him. Maybe he gets the short end of the stick, right? Some guys can have that and just have, you know, unlucky days, have that, you know, the, the offense just doesn't come to life for them for whatever reason. But 
there's no reason to bet on that, and there's certainly no way you could bet on that. I like what this Atlanta team has around Cole Hamels. He's going to give you a strikeout per inning. Don't have to worry about the injury concerns the way we would in a full season. I think he's going to be better than a top 40 starting pitch. He's going to be inside that top 40, and I think with breathing room, with room to spare, Al, I don't think he's going to be, you know, SP 39. I think more, if I had to bet on inside the top 30 or outside the top 40, I would bet on inside the top 30. Wow, okay. And out of the uh, pitchers that you mentioned, I know you mentioned Sean Newcomb, you mentioned Felix Hernandez. Is there anybody in particular who strikes you as the one who loses the most value as a result of this development? Gosh, it's, I, I think it's got to be Newcomb. I think that um, you know the Braves have seen a good amount of Newcomb, and we know what the stuff could be. I think he's the least reliable option in the rotation when you're looking at him, Felix Hernandez, and Kyle Wright. And obviously Kyle Wright um, you know, hasn't, hasn't shown us much uh, so far in his professional career, but at least there is some sort of ceiling there that maybe isn't there for Newcomb anymore. So I think that the Braves are now better off knowing that they're going to have Hamels right from the jump, just committing Newcomb to a relief swingman sort of role where maybe they need him to start, maybe they need him to throw two and a third innings in relief, maybe they back him up uh, if they want to go with an opener one day, whatever it might be, right? He is well-suited to be a swingman who they deploy in a number of roles that could be great for him uh, in real life and great for what he contributes to the Atlanta Braves for real, but I think it does hurt his fantasy value. So to me, he becomes the guy who they least need as a starter, and that hurts his fantasy value the most. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the bigger developments in, in recent days and, uh, you know, hopefully gives us uh, something to look forward to because it would certainly be good to see uh, Cole Hamill's pitch in 2020. Well, let's uh, move on to a couple of players who had big 2019s. Both of them had big uh, power breakout seasons and uh, maybe a little bit polarizing in terms of what we would expect from them uh, in a 2020 season. I'm talking about DJ LeMahieu and Jorge Soler. So let's start with LeMahieu here. Now, of course, both of these players maybe a bit late for a breakout season, especially LeMahieu. Uh, how much? I'm just going to going to phrase it this way, Michael. How much do you think LeMahieu is uh, going to regress this year? Because I think it's a how much and not an if kind of question. Yeah, LeMahieu's a tough one for me, Al. Um, you know, the, the the StatCast numbers for him really do jump out at you. I mean, if you go and you pull up his StatCast page, you're just going to see red number after red number after red number uh, really suggests that he earned that breakout last season. Uh, now, having said that, this is a guy who has been in the majors for quite a while, uh, came up with the Cubs, then spent a few years with the Rockies, and never really had the power profile uh, with either of those teams that he showed last season. And we would expect to see that in Colorado, right? If we're ever going to see a guy hit the uh, top level of his power potential, we would expect it to see uh, with him getting to play 81 games at Coors Field. Didn't happen for him there, but did happen for him in New York. So part of me wants to sell based on the fact that it took him so long to have this breakout season. Part of me wants to buy based on the fact that the StatCast numbers and that underlying profile suggest that he earned every bit of the 2019 breakout. I went back and watched some of uh, DJ LeMahieu at the plate in 2019 versus DJ LeMahieu at the plate in 2018, and we do see one very noticeable difference in his setup at the plate. Uh, previously, he was a guy who had an open stance and basically just lifted his foot up, brought it back down, no real stride, and that was what he did before you know doing the whole swing process. Uh, last year, he changed to a completely closed stance, uh, closing off his front shoulder, front foot, uh, a little bit closer to home plate than his back foot was, and more uh, of an actual stride toward the pitcher. So that is something that is at least substantive that we can point to that was different 
that he did at the plate, can we say for certain that it is the reason and that he unlocked this greatness because of that change? We can't, but at least it's something we can point to. So to me, that gives us two checks in the positive, one check in the negative, and that would make me want to buy him a little bit more, but still, I just think the regression is going to be too significant for me to trust him at what his ADP is. I just can't see Al another 26 homer season. Well, certainly not another 26 homer season, but you know, 26 homers per 162 games. Whatever this season, like if if they play 81 games, I don't think he gets to 13 homers. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, you know, another area too uh, to look at is the the RBI production because uh, he hit 392 with runners in scoring position last year. So I, I certainly appreciate what you said about him backing up the uh, the production pretty much across the board uh, in terms of the stack cast metrics, but that's one area where uh, there's certainly reason to, to, uh, to have some skepticism. But let's, um, let's quantify this a little bit in terms of the regression, and you mentioned the ADP being a little bit inflated for him. Uh, LeMahieu on Fantasy Pros has a 58 ADP. That puts him 10 spots ahead of Yohan Moncada and 12 spots ahead of Max Muncy. Would you flip anybody in that order? LeMahieu is the one I would take last out of those three. I mean, Moncada is the one I would easily take. I mean, Moncada is what you want to buy. Moncada is a guy with a huge prospect profile who has only gotten better and better in each major league season and is still super young in this up-and-coming lineup. I mean, that is exactly what you are looking for when you're looking to buy a player off of a breakout season, right? LeMahieu is not that. So Moncada, to me, is easily the top of those guys, the top of those three. And then Max Muncy. I understand why you would rather have LeMahieu over Muncy if you're playing in a batting average league. If you're in an OBP league, I don't think it's even close. I mean, Muncy has given us two straight seasons of basically identical numbers. I think you can pencil him in, and I'm just going to use the per 162 because it's just the easier way to talk. I think you can pencil him in for you know, 255, 370, 535 homers, 90 runs, 90 RBI. That's what Max Muncy is going to give you. He's done it two seasons in a row, his only two major league seasons. You'd have to be an idiot to think anything else was coming in year three. So for me, that reliability at that level makes Max Muncy the better play than DJ LeMahieu. All right, and let's uh, turn to Jorge Soler here. Maybe a little bit more believable as a breakout in his age 27 season, so now uh, 28 this year. Uh, you know, still close enough to his peak or arguably still in the peak years that, uh, you know, maybe you don't expect any regression at all. It was just a big jump uh, from a 202 ISO in 2018 to a 304 ISO uh, in 2019. So... How much of that do you ascribe to the uh, the happy fun ball, and how much of that is legit? I totally buy Jorge Soler. This was the player he was always supposed to be coming up through the Cubs system. Those first few years that he had with the Cubs, he always flashed that immense power and just a combination of injury and being in a on a very deep Cubs team that was smack dab in the middle of its World Series window. That was a team that uh, couldn't afford to let a guy uh, play out uh, his play through his struggles on the field. And Jorge Soler did have those struggles, especially when it came to putting the ball in play. A lot of high strikeout rates early on in his career. 2015, he had a 30% strikeout rate. 2016, dropped to 25%. Then his first year with the Royals, only 35 games, but it jumped back up to 32%. So he was a guy who had to work through some growing pains, and that just wasn't going to happen on the Cubs, given the fact that uh, he was on a team that uh, the Cubs, uh, right, uh, three years on the Cubs, 2014, a little bit, a cup of coffee when they were still bad. The next two years, 
the team played in the NLCS both years and won the World Series that second year. So he wasn't going to get the opportunity to play through his struggles with the Cubs. He combined that with injury, and he just never really had an opportunity to develop a rhythm until last year, a bad Royals team. He stays healthy. He is for sure locked in to the cleanup role every single day, and boom, you get that you know, 100% level Jorge Soler season. Is he going to be a 48 homer guy year in, year out? I don't think so. But could he be a 35 to 40 or a 42 homer guy year in, year out? I think absolutely. That's the power he uh, has showed. He cut the strikeout rate down to 26.2% last year. He kept that walkout rate high at 10.8%. This is a guy who has always had really strong plate discipline, a good eye, willing to take his walks. I think this is someone who people should be really excited about. No doubt about the power. I buy last year's breakout in full. I'm going after Jorge Soler and any drafts or auctions that I have remaining. Yeah, and as you alluded to, the uh, the power was very much legit for him. 97.2 miles an hour on the average. Exit velocity on flies and liners, that is elite. Top 10 uh, in 2019. So certainly no doubting that. And uh, there's no doubting that uh, when Ron Chandler answers mailbag questions, you should read them. So that is today's featured read. Chandler Mailbag, trading Mike Trout, keeping Cattell Marte, and post-hype pitchers. Uh, so good stuff, as always, from Ron Chandler. Do please check that out. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, check out the three-month free trial that uh, The Athletic is currently running. Also, you can still get 40% off a subscription just by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And of course, everything that we do, all the columns, all the podcasts, everything is included with the subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior. We'll be back here on Wednesday. Mm-hmm.